This is One on One with Mark Monte on 1070 The Fan. Brought to you by Georgetown Market, Indy's family-owned natural food store since 1973. Movie Time Video Productions, they make your memories last forever. And Dr. Gary Walton, dentistry with a personal touch. became a legend as an eighth grader and then for better or worse had to live up to it for the rest of his basketball career saddled with fame thanks to his role in the best-selling book a season on the brink he went on to have perhaps the most legendary career in the history of indiana high school basketball he became the state's all-time leading scorer with 3134 points and he led his team to the state championship as a senior in 1990 when he personally drew 41,000 fans to the hoosier dome he went on to a successful college career, earning first-team All-Big Ten honors as a senior and played in the CBA and overseas. And although he didn't fulfill everyone's expectations, that would have been nearly impossible. He's managed to become a well-adjusted adult, free of regret and bitterness. Just another small-town Hoosier schoolboy legend. I'm Mark Monteith, and I'm going one-on-one with a man who knows all about fame, Damon Bailey. Welcome to One on One. I am indeed talking this week with Damon Bailey, one of the biggest names in Indiana's basketball history and certainly one of the most unique stories as well. So, Damon, we have a tendency around here to start at the beginning. So let's go back to your childhood and talk about your beginnings in basketball. What was it that sparked your interest in basketball growing up? Well, I think uh, like a like a lot of kids that grew up, when I did, and you know, you, you grow up, you know, in Indiana, and at that time, uh, obviously, high school basketball is is crazy, and and you know, Friday and Saturday nights, you're going to high school games. Uh, obviously, Indiana University at the time uh, was, you know, a power in college basketball, and, and you just grow up in this state. You know, I think a lot of kids uh, did, you know, wanting to be the best basketball player ever, and obviously, that was was my dream growing up. And you have a lot of people that. Are around you, and, and, and in my case, uh, you know, I had a, a dad that, uh, uh, you know, was very involved in, in, in basketball. I mean, even if it was just, you know, from playing pickup ball down at the school on Sunday evening. So I was around it at a, at a very young age. Quite honestly, there wasn't a lot of other things to do, uh, you know, other than, than play basketball or baseball or football or, or whatever it is that we did. Uh, you know, but today, you know, kids have so many other things, um, you know, whatever it is uh, that the kids do today. You know, when, when I was a kid growing up, you know, you, you got out of bed and you got with your buddies and, and again, you played basketball in the driveway or down at the, uh, down at the park. You know, hearing you say that reminds me of some of the other guests I've had on this show, whether it was Johnny Wooden playing in a barn in Martinsville or Rick Mount out in the park in Lebanon or Larry Bird in the schoolyard in French Lick. And all these kids growing up in small towns where there's not much else to do, that seems to work to your advantage if you want to play badly enough. It, it really does. And, you know, and again, at that time, um, it's no pressure. I mean, you're you're just, you know, at at the park with your buddies just playing. And, uh, you know, and that's where I, I think that you really learn – 
how to play the game of basketball. Uh, you know, I think kids today play a lot of basketball, but everything that they do is structured in some sense, you know, whether it be an AAU or, or school team, uh, but, but it's structured, you know. Very rarely can you, you know, drive through the streets of, of Indiana anymore and, and see kids out in their driveway. And, and, and that's where you really learn how to play the game of basketball. And I think that, uh, you know, that's where, uh, you know, the fundamentals and, and, and things of that nature uh, have really, um, you know, they're really non-existent today. And again, I think a lot of that is because kids kids are playing so much or made to play so much that it, it, it somewhat takes the fun out of the game uh, and, and, and doesn't allow them just to, to be kids and be with their friends and, and doing something that they love. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, almost like a, a job at, a, at an early age. And, you know, some of the, the, the people you talked about, obviously, you know, the, the higher level that you play basketball, the more it does become like a job. But, you know, I think even today, uh, you know, I coached at the high school level at, at Bedford here a few years ago, and it's a full-time job. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically playing year-round. Uh, uh, when the IHSAA opened up, you know, where you could work with the kids in the summertime, you you almost feel obligated to do that. It, it wasn't necessarily anything that I agreed with, but, you know, you almost feel obligated to do it if, if you want to be able to compete. Did you even play AAU ball in the summers? I did as, as, as a kid, but AAU, when I played, and AAU today is, is totally different. Uh, when I played AAU basketball, I, I played for a team out in Indianapolis called Municipal Gardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Taylor was the coach, and uh, we played in a, a state tournament, and we played in a, a regional that would, uh, that would be after the state, and then obviously we'd go play in a national tournament. And, and our state tournament, uh, you know, there may be four or five teams in our state tournament. Uh, as compared to my daughter plays AAU basketball today, and uh, we just went to a national tournament in Louisiana, and there was five teams from Indiana at that national tournament. Uh, I don't have any idea how many teams are in uh, were in the state tournament, probably 15, 20, 25 teams in the state tournament in, in her age group. So it's really grown to the point where, you know, on, on one hand, I, I think it's bad because I think it really dilutes the talent level and it, and it gives kids a, a false sense of, of really how good they are. And, and again, I think that's one reason why uh, high school coaches typically are not big fans of AAU. But then on the other hand, you know, it's, it's giving kids an opportunity to play. And obviously, if they want to play, then then that's great. You know, back when I played, it was kind of the only the best played. I mean, you know, I, I played, you know, on a, on a team growing up that, uh, you know, had Alan Henderson and Eric Montross and the Ross Twins that, that played at Notre Dame and Link Darner and Matt Waddell that, uh, that played at Purdue and uh, Elliot Hatcher, who played at Kansas State. So, you know, everybody on my team was a Division One basketball player, and that's kind of the way that it, it used to be, where today, if you've got a dad that wants to coach you, you've got an AAU team. What are your earliest memories of either watching a team on television or falling in love with a certain player that really motivated you to become the player you became? Well, I mean, you know, again, growing up, you grow up, uh, you know, in Heltonville, which is, you know, 20 miles south of Bloomington. So I grew, I grew up, you know, being an, an Indian University fan and, uh, you know, uh, remembering uh, the 81 team with Isaiah and, and, and Tolbert and those guys, uh, you know, winning a national championship. You know, I also, uh, being in Heltonville, uh, we also got Wave 3, you know, Channel 3. So I watched a lot of Louisville games and, and, and Daryl Griffith and, and those types of players. But, uh you know, probably as far as, as an individual player that I really tried to model my game around and, and not to say that I was, you know, half the player that he was, but, uh, you know, it's Larry Bird. I think that obviously being another Southern Indiana guy and somebody that I really felt 
played the game the way it was supposed to be played. You know, that just worked very hard to get the most out of uh, out of the ability that he had, and and uh, you know that was something that uh, you know I always felt that uh, you know there were certain things that as a player you weren't going to be able to control. You couldn't control, you know, how tall you were going to be, or for the most part how athletic you were. Uh, but you know, the one thing you could control was how much how much effort that you gave to the game and and how hard you worked to be the best that you could be. And you know, he was the one player that that I really felt, you know, at that time, you know, as a kid growing up, got the most out of his ability. And, and again, was a very unselfish player and someone that, again, being from southern Indiana, that I could relate to. Most people became aware of you when you're an eighth grader, really from the book, A Season on the Brink, and that's when Bob Knight started recruiting you. How did your life change at that point, looking back on it now? I don't know. That's a that's really, for me, it's a, it's a tough question because I, I've kind of grown up through that process. Growing up in, a, in, in again in a small community and having some ability and, and having some success at an early age, uh, you know, I just didn't really know any different. And that's the thing that that I think where I differ from a lot of kids from the uh, from a recognition standpoint is is it really started with me at a very young age. So you know, I. I just grew up. I mean, to me, that's how life was. I mean, that, that's just the way, you know, every kid grew up, you know, in some sense in my mind. You know, it wasn't like, you know, all of a sudden my junior, senior year in high school uh, developed some skill and, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, get some recognition and, and, and it's kind of thrown on you. It was, uh, you know, for me, it was at a very early age and it was just a, a, a part of my life growing up. I think the only player in the state's basketball history who would compare with you as far as dealing with fame at an early age at least in the high school age group would be rick mountain who was on the cover of sports illustrated as a high school senior at lebanon and you're in a nationally a best-selling book and i think your photo was in sports illustrated was that as an eighth grader or Uh, yeah my incoming freshman incoming freshman so did you enjoy those things or did that make life uncomfortable for you i mean how did it impact your daily life well again it's something that i don't want to say i didn't know any different but i didn't know any different yeah. and uh, obviously i had a lot of people you know close to me and, and parents and friends that you know were able to to keep me grounded if you will and you know to me it was it was never about all that and and obviously that's nice you know it makes you feel good at some level you know especially then and, and obviously now i probably appreciate it even more but you know it makes you feel good but i was just doing something that I loved and and I think that's the thing that you talk to anyone that's you know had any success really in in anything in life you know I didn't play basketball to to be on Sports Illustrated or 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 to be in a book or to to be given this interview right now you know if you're just doing something that you love and and along the way you're able to to give some people some level of enjoyment you know it it, it definitely is is something that you you appreciate and, and cherish a little bit more after the fact uh, than, than you really do when it's happening. Well, you went on to have the, really the most historic high school career in the state of Indiana. You were a four-time first-team All-State selection. You scored 3,134 points in your high school career. Your team uh, won the state championship in 1990 before 41,000 people at the RCA Dome. You scored the final 11 points of the game to win the championship. I mean, it's really a storybook ending to your high school career. Looking back, was that the best time? Is that the time you look back on with the most fondness and appreciation, or would it be something else? 
Well, I, I think, you know, that, that definitely has to rank right up there. You know, in, in, you know, the high school career that I had, you know, I was obviously very fortunate to play with some, some other very good players. Uh, you know, the, the high school level is, you know, really the highest level. And, and that was the thing for me was, you know, that was kind of the pinnacle of, of basketball from the, the truest sense. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, at, at, at that point, you know, you're a high school kid and, you know, you don't have a worry in the world. You know, all I had to do was go to school, get good grades and play basketball I didn't you know I didn't have to worry about providing for a family or kids or you know anything else all I had to do was get good grades and play basketball and you know after that point uh, you know going on to Indiana University and then playing professionally after that but after the high school level it you know it becomes a job when you go to Indiana University or you know Purdue or Kentucky or North Carolina or wherever you want to talk about going you know at that point it becomes a job you're not getting paid monetarily I guess at least we didn't at Indiana, <laughs> but you know you're getting an education, and and they expect you know a certain level of commitment out of you. And at that high school level, you know, is is, is really the last time that you're you you know you're just playing with your buddies, and again you're playing for the true love of the sport and and the love of your school. And so obviously to to have a very good high school career and and to cap that off with winning a state championship is very special. Bailey heads off to IU and experiences the pain and pleasure of playing for Bob Knight when one-on-one continues. Welcome back to one-on-one. I'm Mark Monteith spending this hour with Hoosier basketball legend, Damon Bailey. In this segment, Bailey talks about his basketball career at IU where he experienced the highs and lows of playing for Bob Knight. It would really be hard to overstate how popular you were. I mean, to draw 41,000 people, to the uh, RCA Dome. I, I can't remember if it was the Hoosier Dome there or the RCA Dome, but, you know, you were really responsible for that. I mean, what was the like the craziest thing that you had to deal with as far as your fame? I mean, as far as autograph requests or just, you know, something weird that happened just because people liked you so much? Well, I, there, there would be a lot of things probably. But, you know, again, in my case, it really started at, at such a young age that, you know, I mean, I, I tried to explain to people, and, and, it's, and it's difficult, you know. To me, it was just a part of life, you know. I mean, to me, you know, knowing that, you know, you're going to go out and you're going to try to get something to eat and, you know, people are going to want autographs and, and, and all that type of thing, you know, I mean, to me, it was just a part of life. And, you know, and I, I, I tried to make the most of it. I mean, obviously, there were, there's times you you shy away from doing certain things because you don't want to put yourself in that position or you're, you don't want to be bothered, uh, you know. But, but I was someone that always recognized that, you know, that if it wasn't for you know, those fans that, you know, then, you know, Damon Bailey's not Damon Bailey. You know, if, if it wasn't for the fans, then Le- LeBron James is not making millions of dollars today. And I always recognize that, that, that you're out there. And, and, and again, not that I'm doing it for the entertainment value of, of basketball, but, you know, you're bringing some joy and some entertainment to some people. And, and, and maybe in certain cases, you know, to people that, you know, have illnesses or, you know, that, that they really don't have anything else in life that they can really grab onto. And, you know, I was very uh, appreciative of the support that I had that, uh, you know, in any time that someone wanted a, an autograph or wanted a picture taken or wanted to talk, you know, I, I tried to accommodate. And again, and, and instead of, you know, going out and, and being rude and, and turning those things down, you know, I mean, maybe there would just be times I wouldn't put myself in that in that situation. So definitely always appreciated the, the support that I had. I met a woman once, I think she lived in Zionsville, who 
named her two kids, Damon and Bailey. Obviously, after you, I mean, did you run into many things like that? Or is there, can you give me an example of uh, an extreme example of fandom uh, or support for you? Well, there's there's definitely uh, you know a few Damons and, and and Baileys running around, and at, at the time you just you know you really can't understand and can't grasp, and I'm not sure that I can today. You know why why exactly we uh, latch on to to someone or something? Um, you know I really don't know. Uh, you know I mean you know why why did I latch on to you know Larry Bird as far as a, a basketball player and an idol? You know at at a young age. I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it's just something that, uh, that that happened, and 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 obviously in my case, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of the, the same type of support. If I had talked to you coming out of high school and asked you, what do you expect out of your basketball career? What do you predict for the rest of your basketball career? What do, what would you have said at that point? I really don't know. I mean, obviously, you you know, I, I grew up. Uh, you know, again, wanting to, to play in the NBA and make millions of dollars. And I guess, as you asked me at that point, that's what I would have hoped for. I, I wanted to be the best basketball player that ever lived. And, you know, I didn't have the God-given ability to be the best basketball player that ever lived. Uh, you know, I obviously had some, some God-given ability, but you take a combination of someone that works extremely hard to, to be the best that they can be, and, and, and you compound that with some natural ability and that's where you get Michael Jordans and, and LeBron James and Kobe Bryant you know those types of players that that do things that some of us can just dream about doing but you know you you also take someone you know like like Larry Bird who uh, again other than being you know six foot nine or six foot eight whatever he is you know had absolutely no reason to be a good basketball player um, you know he grows up in a small town and, and you know is not extremely athletic but works very hard to to get the most out of the ability that he does have and and, and that was what i tried to do and, and was to be again the, the best player that i could be and you know looking back on it you know sure i mean there's there's definitely days or seasons or games or, or or whatever that you know you wish you'd have done a little bit better uh you know but at the end of the day you know i can i can sit back and and, and say that you know i i gave the game of basketball uh you know just about everything i had and 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 had some success with it and and you know there's a lot of failures along the way but uh part of part of being successful is uh is failing along the way yeah absolutely uh, was there ever any doubt that you would go to iu or did you seriously consider any place else well i went through the motions of considering somewhere <laughs> else but um yeah probably not probably always in the back of my mind indiana was was the place that, that i was going to go again you know growing up 20 minutes south of there uh and, and, and growing up an Indiana fan and, and, and to have the opportunity to play for Coach Knight, there probably was no other place for me to go other than Indiana. Where else did you visit? I uh, visited, uh, actually visited Purdue in North Carolina. When you told Coach Knight that you were coming to Indiana, was it in a phone call or in, a, in person? or? Uh, it, was, it was a phone call. Yeah. What was his reaction? Oh, I, I mean, I, he... I've, I've said before, I got a, I had a Coach Knight say a lot uh, a lot more good things about me uh, my four years in high school than I did the four years in the end. I think that's just the nature of the business. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously he was, you know, he was he was excited at that time and obviously had, you know, watched me play a lot throughout the years. And, and, and really the recruiting process with Indiana was, you know, somewhat odd and, and, and somewhat different than, you know, maybe the recruiting of, of other players or, you know, definitely the way of recruiting today. Uh, you know, Coach Knight, uh, you know, 
watched me play, uh, you know, a lot more than he ever talked to me. I mean, it was it was you know his you know his way of of, of showing support, uh, you know, was was to be there at the games, but you know, really didn't put a lot into telling me how great I was or any of that type of thing. Uh, you know, it was just you know definitely that the uh, you know opportunity to come play was there, and and hopefully we could uh, you know have some success at IU and 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 was able to do that. Yeah. Did you wind up being surprised at all by the experience of playing for Bob Knight, or was it pretty much what you expected it to be? Well, I don't think it's what anybody expects it to be, um, and I think that's probably the hardest thing to to really describe is is what it is like. Um, you know, I don't know that I can. I can express how great it is to to play for Coach Knight and and to to play at Indiana University, uh, you know, when when things are good. And I don't know that I can express uh, how bad uh, it is to play for Coach Knight and and and, and at Indiana University when things are bad. Uh, you know, there's there's just such highs and such lows, and 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 that's the thing that does somewhat make it difficult or did make it difficult playing there was, you know, there really wasn't a lot of middle ground. It was either again the greatest place on earth to be and or it was the worst place on earth to be and and but overall uh you know looking back on it it definitely was a was a positive experience and you learn a lot uh you know from coach knight again not only about basketball but you know a taking you know basketball and, and, and applying it to everyday life yeah one of the stories and i've heard you laugh with dan dockage about this on his show was the time that uh, he had to go pick you up and take you over to coach knight's house and coach knight got on you and then coach knight's wife uh karen got on you first of all what were they mad at you about what were the, why were they bringing you over to their house at night to yell at you about something well that was uh i don't, I don't want to say that was a common practice but it definitely wasn't uh wasn't uncommon either so um and and not just with me but with obviously a lot of players i mean that that was the thing you know the the thing about coach knight was that as, as much effort and and time that he demanded you know you as an individual uh to put in uh you know he put in 10 times that amount during basketball season it didn't matter if it was two o'clock in the afternoon or or, or two o'clock in the morning if if coach knight uh you know was thinking about basketball and wants to talk to somebody then then he's talking to somebody so specifically i I don't know i mean it's a a game it's an afternoon game in michigan and 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 we get beat it uh actually against the fab five it's the first time that the fab five had started together and and all that and and, uh obviously he he wasn't real happy with with my play in that particular game so uh we had to uh had to have a little talk and get it straightened out and uh and just in case he wasn't uh getting through to me uh he had he had Karen uh let me know what her thoughts were <laughs> as well so uh you know it's just uh you know again that's that's one of those uh that's one of those bad times and you know that's just uh you know again you know to play there uh you know it's definitely not for everyone you know it, it's something that, that you do have to be mentally strong to, to be able to deal with some of the things that, that that happened there but uh you know if you're able to make it you know I, I think you're a lot better off you know afterwards a lot of players will say that they came close to transferring at some point during their career at iu was that ever true for you well, I, I can't sit and say I never thought about it, but uh, to say I was close, no, I don't know that I was close. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, it obviously runs through your mind. Uh, not that I would have transferred my senior year, but after the, the first game of the year and we lose to Butler, uh, uh, that that had been a good time for me to transfer, I can tell you that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, then again, you, you, you go through that week there that, uh, you know, it's not so pleasant, and then you turn around and beat Kentucky. He's ranked number one in the – 
in the country at uh, you know at the RCA Dome and and things are uh, are, are a little bit better. So. And you're on the cover of Sports That's Illustrated, right. right? Yep. Certainly, you had a successful college career by most reasonable standards. You're all Big Ten. You got some All American recognition as a senior. Uh, wildly popular at IU. Uh, you guys had good teams. It would have been impossible to live up to the expectations coming out of high school. But so when you left IU, were you? disappointed by how things had gone or did you feel like you had done all you can do or you know what was your attitude at the time well i was i I was disappointed from a from a team standpoint uh you know obviously i really felt that you know when i when i went to indiana i went to went to indiana to win the national championship and and really felt that you know that that there was a you know, a year or two there that, uh, you know, we, we had a legitimate shot of, of winning and, and, and didn't. So, you know, from, from a team standpoint, I was disappointed, you know, that, that we didn't win a national championship. But from an individual standpoint, you know, no, I was happy. Um, again, I mean, we can talk about a particular game or, or, you know, a particular stretch in the season or whatever where, you know, I wish I'd have played a little bit better or whatever. But uh, for the most part, uh Fortunately or unfortunately, I, I guess however you want to look at it, and, and I think it, it it just depends on the the type of of individual you are and the type of player. You know, fortunately or unfortunately, I play with a lot of very good players, and and obviously when you play with a lot of very good players, then uh, you know your chances of having a better team are uh, are increased, but uh, you're your chances of, of individual recognition and, and, and individual numbers, uh, you know, obviously go down. And, and uh, you know, I, I played again with, with players, you know, with Calvert Chaney and Greg Graham and, and, and Eric Anderson and, and, and Alan Henderson, Brian Evans, you know, guys that uh, are, are all up at the top of the leaderboard in Indiana records. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly, but, you know, Calvert's at the top as far as scoring. I know when I when I left, I was fifth. I think I'm down to seventh now. Allen's up there. Eric Anderson's up there, you know. So, you know, you, you, you just play with a lot of players that are, are, are very good as well, and, and we all have to, to sacrifice our numbers at, at, at some level uh, for the betterment of the team. And, and, and that was the thing that I always tried to do because I, I knew that, you know, people could always question I laugh today when I hear people talk about, you know, whether it be LeBron James or, you know, or, or any of these players that play any sport. You know, the the one thing that, that people can't question is your ability to win. And that was, you know, something that was always the most important to me, that, you know, every level that I played at, uh, the teams that I played on won a lot. Bailey takes a shot at the NBA, plays in the CBA and overseas, and then retires from basketball when one-on-one continues. Welcome back to One-on-One. I'm Mark Monteith. Before we get back to this week's guest, Damon Bailey, I'd like to remind you that all episodes of this series can be heard on our website at 1070thefan.com. Just scroll down to the bottom of the homepage, click on the one-on-one window, and you'll have access to most of the episodes of this series. Now back to Damon Bailey, who in this segment discusses his attempt to make the Pacers, his career in the CBA, and his retirement from basketball. You come out of IU, you're a second-round draft pick at the Pacers. You spent the season with them actually on the injured list because you had a, was it what, one or two knee operations? Uh, uh, actually, I actually had three while I was there, two, three. two at once and then another one. Wow, wow. So, you know, you, you're with the team for a year, but you're not able to play. And then the following season, you're released in training camp. Uh, what did you get, if anything, from that NBA experience such as it was? It was definitely a disappointment. Not disappointed in the Pacers or anything of that nature, but... 
you know, I it, it was just a for me an unfortunate you know string of events that you know I was I, I was drafted and and you know you can you can look at it in two ways. Uh, you know, obviously I was drafted by the Pacers again, another hometown team, if you will. Uh, you know, from that standpoint, was you know I guess if I could pick anywhere to play that would have been the place you know uh but you know you're also picked by a team that you know at, at that time um you know had had very good guards and you know reggie and Vern fleming and, and mark jackson and, and haywood workman i mean were, were very guard heavy and then the you know to have the surgeries right out of college and, and really take a year off of playing basketball for those um injuries to to heal up and, and, and trying to learn, uh, you know, I, I went from really being a, a shooting guard in college to trying to learn to play the point guard position. And at the professional level, it was, you know, it was difficult to, to try to learn to, to play a new position at, at the highest level, you know, after not, not touching a basketball for a year. So it, it, it just wasn't the ideal, you know, circumstances for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and it really took me, uh, you know, a, a year or two of, of playing to really feel comfortable again. And, and obviously went on and, and played in the CBA and, and played overseas and, uh, you know, had, had a lot of fun playing. Uh, uh, you know, had had a couple other opportunities, uh, you know, with the Bulls and with the Cavaliers and, and you know, things just didn't work out. And that's, again, that's that's part of it. Uh, you know, that's a part of that failing, uh, you know, that, that I was talking about that, uh you know, if you're not, if if you're afraid to fail, then you know you're you're never going to get the most out of your ability. And was I as uh, good enough to play in the NBA? Yes. Um, you know, was I, you know, going to be Michael Jordan or Reggie Miller? No. Um, you know, I wasn't. But uh, you know, you just, uh, you know, you have to. You know, a lot of a lot of it of playing at that level is you know getting in the right you know situation and and, and having the opportunity and and performing well when you get that opportunity and you know things just didn't work out yeah how many seasons did you play after college once you got to the cba and overseas how many seasons did you play um played a total of five i have four counting the years with the pacer i guess it'd been five i graduated from college in 94 uh and uh the the last game uh the last official game that i played was uh in the the 99 the 99 uh, pan am games in in canada okay did you know then that was kind of it um, yes and no. I mean, at, at that time, it was, you know, I had been contemplating not playing anymore. And again, a lot of things, obviously, at that time, I had a, a business that was, you know, demanding more time. I had, you know, a wife and you know, kids that uh, were, were starting to demand more time. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, again, kind of some things just kind of fell in place. That was the year that Isaiah bought the CBA and, you know, and it kind of went, uh, I always tell people the CBA went out of business because I quit playing. So that was the year I quit playing. But, uh, you know, so just, just a lot of things kind of happened, that, uh, you know, there. And, and uh, you know, but I, I played in the Pan Am games and was actually uh, took a couple weeks off after after that and was, was planning on going back and playing that particular year. Uh, but during the, the process of, of working out and getting back in shape and, and, and getting ready to play, uh, you know, I hurt a knee again, was going to have a surgery, and it was just kind of, you know, a lot of things kind of fell in place that, you know, hey, this, you know, it, it, this is it. So. Yeah. How difficult was the transition from basketball to the so-called real world? You know, it, it really wasn't as difficult as I thought it'd be. You know, quite honestly, up until two or three years ago um, when I started coaching high school at, at, at BNL, I really hadn't thought a lot about it. And, and, and I think some of that was because, you know, in, in, in my case, I had something to do. You know, I, I had a business that, that was successful and, 
and the day I quit playing basketball, I had I had something to do Monday morning that you know could still give me that competitiveness part. So I had something to do the the, the day I quit playing. Um, you know, had I not, um, you know, it, it it probably would have been tougher. You know, when I walked away from the game, I walked away and and again felt good about uh, the career that I'd had. And uh, you know, but when I started coaching and, and getting back into the competitive side of basketball again um, um, you know a few years back you know you, you kind of get that itch a little bit to, to play because there's, there's just there's, there's just nothing like it I mean just that you know to, to have the teammates and, and, and to go out and compete uh, you know like that at, at, at the levels that you know I was able to do it at I mean there's that's just awful hard to replace. I was talking once with an assistant coach at Purdue uh, and he was talking about you and his theory was so to speak was that you were always advanced like in junior high Physically and emotionally, you were like a high school kid. You were just more mature than most kids your age. And then in high school, you're kind of like a college kid. You were just more physically and emotionally mature. And then in college, it might have been like it got to the point where you were like a burned-out NBA veteran. You'd been in the limelight so long, and you know you had just been playing so long that he felt like maybe by the time you were at IU, you were kind of like a burned-out NBA veteran. Is there any truth to that, or is that too far out in left field? Well, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's in left center. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that it's, uh, you know, you know, I, I played the game because I loved playing the game, and, and and I didn't want any of the other stuff that came along with it. I mean, it was just a, it was just a part of it. Um, obviously, there's there's benefits to that, and there's positives to that, but there's a lot of negatives as well. And but you know, when it when it did become a job. You know, then you know that's that's not why I played it. You know, it, it, it's something that you know all that stuff does wear on you, and, and uh, you know it, it it beats you down. And 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 again, you you try to you try to live in your own little world and 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 not pay attention to what's going out going on around you. But you know you can, you know you you hear you know you hear the people talk. You hear you know people say how great you are, and then you know you hear the people say that you're overrated. And you know I mean you you hear all that. Um, you know I. You know, I never really felt that way. Um, you know, I, again, I, I never really, um, you know, got to the point where, you know, I just, you know, said, man, I wish all this would end or, you know, I, I'm, I'm done playing, I'm done with it. Uh, you know, it just, you know, it didn't really get to that level for me. But, uh, you know, I, again, it, uh, you know, did get to a point where it's, it's difficult to deal with. Bailey builds a business, fills in as Bedford's high school coach, and begins guiding his daughter's promising career when one-on-one -on -one continues. Welcome back to One-on-One. -on -One. I'm Mark Monteith, and this week's guest is Damon Bailey. In this segment, Bailey discusses his post-basketball career, building a business in Bedford, coaching Bedford North Lawrence's high school team for two years, and guiding his daughter's promising career. You mentioned your business. What are your business interests now? I own a, uh, I have a co-owner in, a, in a, a business called Hawkins Bailey Warehouse. Uh, we sell uh, preventing maintenance supplies to coal mines, construction companies, factories, uh, stone quarries in, in, in Indiana, southern Illinois, and, and, and down into Kentucky. And that's, uh, that's my day job. Obviously, I dabble around a lot of other, a lot of other things, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the, that's the the place I was today, and that's the place I'll be tomorrow. Uh, you know, I have a a, a partner in, in in that, and and had the business 15 years now, and obviously, uh, you know, really enjoy it. Uh, you know, had some success, and uh, sell uh, primarily uh, filtration and lubricants for 
for heavy machinery or, or fleets of vehicles. Is this a job that requires travel for you? Or are you basically working out of an office? Are you like a salesman of some sort? Or? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, um, actually, uh, uh, Randy and I, uh, we have uh, we have five sales guys that work for us, and then we, we kind of consider ourselves one sales guy between us. Uh, um, I, uh, I'm usually out on the road a couple of days a week. He's out on the road a couple of days a week calling on, you know, house accounts or some of our larger accounts. Uh, but, uh, you know, then we're also in the office uh, two or three days a week, you know, taking care of, of, of duties in there. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm usually uh, uh, usually in Indianapolis on Thursdays and, and over uh, or down in uh, coal mine area around, uh, around Terre Haute on Tuesdays. So uh, usually Tuesdays and Thursdays are kind of my day out of the office and, and uh, the other days I'm in. How much does your good name and good reputation affect your business or help your business well it it, it does us uh probably a lot of good in indiana and uh, when we're doing business in kentucky i'm not sure it, <laughs> uh, uh, it helps us much uh we've definitely been into some places that people uh people recognize the name and and, and recognize you and again sometimes that can be good and sometimes that can be bad but in the business world it, it definitely uh definitely gives uh gives me something to talk to people about and you know everybody wants to know about coach Knight, so uh, we can we can at least talk about coach Knight. i was going to ask what's the most frequently asked question of you in business but i gotta believe it's hey what was it like playing for coach Knight? exactly yeah. I, I, that's uh that's typically you know i i go around and and, and speak at different functions or, or do camps for kids or, or whatever and anytime i ever open it up for questions you know Usually that first question is, you know, so what's Coach Knight really like? And, you know, that's, that's, that's definitely the first question from anybody. But, that's a complicated uh, answer, too. It, it definitely is. It definitely is. <laughs> but I'm I guess sure you have can, a – I'm not sure we can get it settled in an hour, I can tell you that. <laughs> it must be a pat answer by now, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, pretty much. You know what's coming, so you know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned coaching. You coached uh, Bedford North Lawrence for a couple of seasons a few years back. Did you enjoy that, and why, you know, why did you get out of it? Well, it was, uh, I, I'd never, I almost said I'd never really planned on doing it, but had not really planned on doing it. Uh, you know, I obviously, um, you know, I, I didn't go to school, you know, as an education major or anything of that nature. I mean, so, you know, I didn't go to, to college with the idea of, hey, I want to be a teacher and a coach, uh, you know, so that was, you know, really never in the plans and, and, and really was never planning on, you know, uh, I mean, if I ever coached, it was going to be here locally. Um, you know, I wasn't going to, you know, moved to Fort Wayne to coach a high school basketball team or anything of that nature. Uh, uh, you know, and, and the coach here uh, had been here for, for 10 or 12 years and, and, and really was a relatively young guy. And, and I really never put any thought into it. Uh, but uh, the year before I started coaching, they actually, uh, um, you know, he, he was fired or, or resigned, uh, you know, a week before tryout started. And, and uh, the AD and I are, are really good friends, and he came to me and, and asked me to, you know, to really help him out of, in, a, in a bad situation here, and and I said no about ten times before I finally accepted uh, Friday night before Monday tryouts. So uh, uh, he finally talked me into it, and and you know it was something that you know for for me to sit and say that I had never thought about it, you know I I can't say that, you know it it definitely had been something that I thought about, but uh, you know it was also something that. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I had quit playing was because of the the time commitment. You know, when you're coaching, and you know, there's there's definitely a, a, a big time commitment that uh, that you have to have. And 
and you know, and again, I had a, a family and, and and a business that uh, you know demanded a certain amount of time as well. But um, so I told him I would do it for three years, and and uh, you know to kind of help him through a, a, a transition period, and uh, and I made it too. So uh, you know, it was it was something that uh, you know I, I just I didn't have you know, and, and again, I I kind of went back and forth that whole week as far as you know whether I was going to coach or not going to coach, and. And and that time commitment was was the thing that I was really struggling with, and I and I just didn't you know just didn't have the time because again you know as I said a little bit earlier you know it's uh, you know it's a full time job anymore you know it's not just uh, you know it's not just during the season I mean you have to put in the time and the effort in the summertime you know with the kids and uh, you know it was just something that uh, you know I couldn't do. What were your records those two seasons? Uh, we were uh, eleven and ten my first year, and, and twelve and ten the second year. So you got a winning record. I got a winning record and had to get out of there before I did. Exactly. That's more than a lot of coaches can say, yeah. too. You know, like I said, that, that first year was a, um, a live and learn process. I mean, it was, uh, uh, you know, there was a, a lot of challenges and a lot of things that, uh, you know, that, that I really learned as far as the coaching is concerned. And, and that second year, uh, you know, was a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. Now, you have two kids, is that right? I have, I have three children. Three. I have uh, two daughters and a, and a son. And uh, do they all play basketball? Uh, my oldest daughter plays, and, and and my son does. Okay, now I understand your daughter is a player. I mean, doesn't she have some real potential? Well, it depends on uh, who you talk to, but uh, <laughs> you can yeah. brag on her a little bit. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she she plays, and uh, you know has has had some success with it, and 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 I, and I think enjoys. And, and and again, you know, that's the the most important part at at, at this point. I mean, obviously, there's a. There's a lot of things that that I think she needs to work on and improve on, but uh, I'm I'm probably a pretty tough. That's probably a little bit of Coach Knight coming out in me, but uh, uh, but yeah, she uh, uh, she's pretty good, and and we have an, an AAU team uh, uh, that, that I coach out of out of the Indianapolis area that uh, had had quite a bit of success. What grade is she in? Uh, she's a seventh grader. This okay, year. you mentioned your son. What grade is he in? Uh, he's a uh, second grader. Do you would you say you? push your kids in athletics? I mean, you get on them if you don't feel like they're working on their games, or do you sit back and kind of let them take it however they want to? Or, you know, what kind of parent are you athletically? I try to push the kids from the standpoint, again, of, of doing things the right way or, or at least working hard at what they're doing. I'm not a parent that sits back and, you know, thinks my kid's the greatest. Uh, you know, I mean, a, a, a lot of people think my daughter's a better basketball player than I do. But, you know, but I, I, I do think that, um, you know, it, 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 it's important to to push, but you know, there's there's times that that obviously you're you're stern with them, and and a little bit of that coach night comes out. But you know, a, again, I there's there's also times that uh, you know you you just want them to play and have fun because again, you know, as I said earlier, when I grew up, you know, you you go to the park and you play, and you know no coaches are there nobody's yelling at you it didn't matter what happened you know you're just down there playing because you love the game and and today that's not the case you know every time um you know uh, and, and again some of that i think is a difference in boys and girls but you know the only time my daughter plays basketball is when you know it's scheduled for her to play basketball i mean whether that's you know my team or another team that she's playing on i mean that's the only time she's playing and 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 that's that's unfortunate and uh you know and again i think that, that we as coaches are you know, to blame uh, because we all think that you know we've got to you know we've got to practice all the time so our team's the best. But uh, uh, you know, so I, I try to sit back and and let them you know kind of develop their own uh, 
their their own love for the game. You know, I don't want it to be my love. Uh, you know, I always you know tell people I did everything in my power to keep my daughter from playing basketball. You know, when she was when she was younger, right? You know, the first year that girls club signups come on, you know, we let them just slide by and that type of thing. But uh, you know, she. Um, you know, wants to play and, and, and really enjoys it. Why was that? Why didn't you want her to play at first? Well, I, I, I think just because of, you know, what we're talking about and, you know, at some level what I went through and, uh, again, you know, someone as yourself who's, who's never seen my daughter play, uh, um, you know, has a, a certain expectation because of whether it's Damon Bailey's kid or whether it's because of, somebody said she's pretty good or whatever the case is and and you know then that first time that you you see her play obviously you're going to be able to form your own opinion whether that is you know well yeah she is great or no she's terrible uh you know so so just to be able you know to to kind of shield her as much as possible from that type of thing um and, you know which is you know, I think, in, especially on the basketball side of things, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be inevitable. I mean, if uh, if, if my kids are going to play, then, then obviously they're going to be, you know, whether it's compared to or, or, or whatever word you want to use. You know, so just to try to shield them a little bit from that and, and you know, because obviously I experienced it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely wasn't going to keep them from playing if, if they wanted to play. Do you communicate at all with Coach Knight now, or have you talked with him recently? Or uh, very little. I mean, I've, I've I've obviously talked to him since I've been out of school, but uh, you know, it, it's been quite some time. When I uh, first got into the coaching there at the high school, uh, I actually took my assistant coaches down to Lubbock, uh, and uh, we spent three or four days down there after after New Year, just talking to him about you know coaching, and and uh, uh, he gave me a great. A great piece of advice and that was to get out now so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so no i mean i you know to sit and say that i've got a a, a great relationship with him or a close relationship no i mean uh it would be something that uh you know i would feel comfortable calling him tomorrow if i if i needed to but uh um not planning on calling him and not really expecting a phone call tomorrow one-on-one with damon bailey continues in a moment Welcome back to One on One. I'm Mark Monteith. Hope you enjoyed this hour with Damon Bailey. You know, I don't think anyone's had a career quite like his. Aside from Rick Mount, he was the first Indiana high school player to have to deal with national hype before he even got to college. And he had to do it as an eighth grader. Mount at least didn't have to deal with it until he was a senior in high school when he appeared on that Sports Illustrated cover in 1966. Judging from this interview, it appears Bailey's handled it well. Now, don't forget, you can catch all the episodes of one-on-one on our website at 1070thefan.com. Just scroll to the bottom of the homepage, click on the one-on-one window, and you'll have access to most of the interviews of this series. And I'll be back next Sunday with another one. So far, I've recorded interviews with Pacers rookie Tyler Hansborough, Pacers legend Mel Daniels, Purdue coach Matt Painter, and former Purdue coach Gene Cady. I haven't decided yet which one to run next, but I know where it's going to run, Right here on 1070 The Fan.